I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. So join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 183 in which I have apparently disappeared off the face of the earth. <laughs> actually um it's episode 183 i don't really have a title for this one so maybe that is the best option um in any case i'm recording this on saturday may 30th 2015 i have a random i think maybe about an hour at home alone until my husband and daughter get back so i thought i would try to knock out a podcast um i know it's been a while i've you know howdy strangers <laughs> i'm sorry i really can't really entirely explain it um it's not that i've been super busy well i mean i've been busy but no more busy than busier than usual i think the difference is i've been gone for really the last several weekends pretty much or just had stuff booked to book um booked and end and so when my weekends get taken up that throws off the entire rest of my week and i just can't seem to um find the time to sit down and podcast. I did take a shot at recording at least once, possibly even twice, but I only had time to record and not time to listen back to anything and edit it and actually get it posted. And by the time I got back to it the next day, then I thought, well, you know, that's really not going to work. I'll have to do it again. I, I have this thing. If I don't post it immediately, it tends to never see the light of day again. <laughs> so I apologize. It has been a while. I know that. Um, that being said, I haven't exactly been burning up the track in terms of quilt productivity either. So um, I do, you know, I've got a couple things to talk about. I probably wouldn't have had four weeks worth of things to talk about. So, you know, probably listeners, you're coming out on the better end of this deal. Um, so I want to start out by saying thank you so much for listening. Thank you to all of you who might be joining for the first time. Those of you who have been around for a while, I especially appreciate you. And, um, oh, let's just get on with things. So uh, the first thing I have to do is an announcement. I have emailed a few people. Unfortunately, I didn't have the whole list of who this would concern. I have to really seriously apologize Um as it turns out, I will not be going to the regional quilt show that's in Kansas City or Overland Park, Kansas, in June, um, just maybe three more weeks. Unfortunately, when I first decided I was going to go, and when I first announced that I was going to go, I had it in my head that Father's Day was the weekend before. I did not realize that going to Kansas City for that weekend would mean I wouldn't be home on Father's Day. And my, my husband was not the one who made it an issue. I did. Um, I have, with all the travel that I do for work, I have tried to always be very careful about not doing optional travel on holidays or birthdays or things when I really should be home with my family. I've always felt like I'm gone enough as it is, um, that if I have a choice to travel, I really should choose not to travel on those days. And particularly this year, um, my father-in-law is not doing so well, and so 
you know, a lot of the, the holidays that um, revolve around him have taken on a certain amount of poignancy. Uh, so it just, as I kept thinking about being gone on Father's Day, I just kept feeling worse and worse and worse about it. And um, on the flip side, I also felt really bad about the fact that I had told people I was going to be there. And of a lot of folks, I think, have changed schedules around. I don't think necessarily just because I said I was going to be there. But, um, you know, it was sort of the catalyst for a meetup. And so I was carrying some guilt around about that. But I still feel, you know, bad about that. But I have to say, I, you know, the favor will always tip in the balance of my family. So I am um, choosing not to go to the quilt show after all. I will still be flying in that Monday because I've got to be, the reason I was even going in the first place is I have to be in um, Overland Park for work that entire following week and then some. Um, well, actually, I guess I'm there just about a week. It's just a Monday to a Monday. So there is some possibility that for the locals, I'll be able to meet up on Monday because I fly in in the morning, but I don't really have to be anywhere until that evening, I think around dinner time. So I've been in touch with um, the couple of folks that do live right in that neighborhood to see whether maybe I could work out at least seeing them on Monday. Um, the rest of the time I'm there, I'm just, I'm booked. You know, my, my time is not my own. I cannot choose what I do with my time while I'm there for work. So unfortunately it's, it's that Monday during those few hours is really the only time I've got any flexibility whatsoever. Um, so that is my sad announcement. I really do apologize um, to all of you, especially who had decided to go and I had not had your emails because a lot of the conversation happened on Twitter. So I kind of even wasn't entirely sure who all <laughs> was involved, but it's going to be a big meetup. I do remember there were a lot of people and I'm, I'm very sad that I won't be able to be a part of that, but I'm very glad for all y'all that you will be a part of that. And all I can say is we expect pictures and lots of them. Um, so especially we need pictures of Darla's quilt because quilts, I think Darla has two in the show, um, our very own scientific quilters. So we have to see pictures of those hanging, especially. Okay, um, the only other announcement I have is minor. Just if I sound a little snuffly, I'm probably gonna be inhaling rather strongly a few times <laughs> because allergies are just in high gear this weekend. Um, it's it's cotton time. Cotton is flying. The the cottonwood trees or whatever they are around here, there is just white in the air all over the place. I took a walk on the canal this morning and I, I tried to tweet a picture of it. I don't know if you could see the cotton in the picture, um, but I was just rubbing my face the entire time. My whole face was itchy because <laughs> the stuff was in the air. I, I was kind of glad that um, there weren't that many people on the canal path because I probably looked a bit like a mad woman. <laughs> It was, I was glad to get the walk in, um, but by the time I got home, I was ready to hit the shower and get all that pollen off of me. So I apologize if I'm doing a little bit of extra sniffing here and there. Um, the rest of this really is going to be a Sandy update, although I'm going to be talking about several books uh, that I've picked up lately. Um, so I guess let's get going. The first thing, just a quick update, I have signed up for an Ami Sims class. Uh, I've mentioned a couple times one of our local quilt guilds, the Genesee Valley Quilt um, Club, Quilt Guild, I don't, GVQC Quilt Club, um, has every two years they hold a big quilt show, and it is a big quilt show. I think they said something like 600 quilts 
are in the show this year. And it's mostly guild members, but other people can also put their um, quilts in. You just have to pay a little bit more, I think. I do not have any quilts in the show. I've never put quilts in that show. Um, that partly I just, I never have anything finished <laughs> in time to really do it. Um, it's a beautiful show and they do a very nice job with the hanging and, and how everything is shown. There's no dead spots. Um, I still remember to this day when Frances put her first quilt in a show and uh, she was a, a little, um, I don't want to say miffed. She felt badly that her quilt ended up in a very dark corner that you had to make a special trip to get to. <laughs> pretty much uh, Francis of off-kilter quilt. Um, this quilt show is set up in such a way there's really, there's no bad corners. It's it's in a huge uh, gym area of one of our colleges here and it's just very well laid out and they have a fair number of vendors and then they have some classes and lectures and stuff. It's, it's a really nice show. I signed up for an Ami Sims class on fr uh, Saturday morning really more because I just love Ami Sims <laughs> than because I really wanted, you know, that particular class. Um, but it should still be fun. It's The class is called Freedom to Feather, and there's no sewing machines involved. You bring your sketchbook and a couple of other supplies, and you basically spend the day, the morning kind of drawing feathers in a variety of ways. Um, so it appealed to me on, on three fronts, actually, that it's Ami Sims, mostly that it's another opportunity to continue to build my skills in terms of um, quilting, free motion quilting feathers. Uh, even though we're not actually going to be doing the sewing, half of it is learning how to draw it. Because once you can get that muscle memory of the shape, then you can translate that to quilting pretty well. I've been doing better at feathers. Um, I'm not, I don't really want to get to the point where I have the feathers that are so well done they look like they were done by a machine. I can appreciate those when I see them in other people's quilts. That's not my vibe, but I would like them to look slightly better than a kindergartner drawing, <laughs> which is what I kind of feel like I'm at now. So I am looking forward to the opportunity to learn her techniques for feathers and just really spend a morning practicing them. And then the third thing that appeals to me is that I don't have to bring many supplies. It'll be nice to throw what I need in a backpack and, and be, you know, free to go. Uh, so I will be doing that Saturday morning and then that means Saturday afternoon I will be seeing the show. Um, I'm probably not gonna be able to stay around too long because we are hosting my daughter's graduation party the next day. So um, for any of you who are in the area that might be attending a GVQC show, um, if you want to shoot me an email and we can see, I you know, I'll have some time right around lunch. Uh, maybe, and like I said, I'm going to be going to see the quilts for an hour or so after that. I doubt I'm going to be there much past maybe two, because um, I'm sure I'm going to have cooking to do, etc. So that's next weekend, I think June, I believe the show is June 2nd, 6th, <laughs> sorry, um, let me look at my calendar again. Yes, I think it's Saturday, June 6th, and so shoot me an email if you think you're going to be there. Um, I have, oh, it, one quick thing in terms of the resources I've picked up lately. This was several weeks ago. I decided to go ahead and reinstall EQ7. I had not had it on my computer for a while because honestly, I, I don't, I'm not doing the kind of quilting now that EQ is very helpful, but I did want to have it on there uh, to figure out my, um, the quilt I'm doing as a wedding gift. 
uh, because that is a, a tradition. It's a Jacob's Ladder block. So I wanted it on there so I could figure out sizing more than anything. And um, when I went to upload or to reinstall EQ7, I decided to tootle around on their website a little bit, see if there was anything new. And I bought myself a new stash. Um, if you don't know about the stash collections, they used to be on CD for about 25 bucks and they sold them three or four times a year. Now you can download, um, I don't know if it's a quarter. You download less, <laughs> but it's only eight bucks at a time. So it feels somehow better. Uh, and they're all, whatever fabric is out currently in the shops, you can, you that's what's on the stash CD. So you're actually working with fabrics that you could then go buy. Um, when I do use EQ7, I tend to scan my own fabric into it because that's what I'm trying to use. But the stash makes it like a fun coloring book. So I treated myself to one of the stash downloads. And then um, as I was wandering about the site, I ran across the fact, and I had forgotten this. I had seen it in a magazine and I'd forgotten it. Kimberly Einmo now has two EQ7 um, programs out on Jelly Rolls. And so I bought one of them. I don't remember what the other one was named, but the one I bought was Jelly Roll Quilt Magic um, because, you know, I got me some Jelly Rolls and I love Kimberly Einmo's designs. Um, I, I did her cra uh, crafty class called something like Magical Jelly Rolls, something like that. I really enjoyed it. Um, beautiful designs. And in fact, that's kind of, that's the class that sort of got me hooked on Jacob's Ladder. It's a block I've known about for years, but it's one that you kind of, forget about, <laughs> I guess, until you start playing with it and you realize this is a great block. Uh, so anyway, I did buy her EQ7 program on Jelly Roll Quilt Magic. And um, I, I looked at both of them and you're able to see all the designs on both quilt programs and they're both very good. I just happened to like a few more of the designs on the Jelly Roll Quilt Magic and I only wanted to get one. And um, so I'm really looking forward to playing with that. I'm not going to be doing a Jelly Roll Quilt very soon because I have a boatload of other stuff <laughs> I need to get through. But um, again, it's like a you know an, an expensive coloring book. I'm looking forward to sitting around and, and just playing with the different designs that she has and um, seeing if I can find images of the particular jelly rolls I have, all that kind of stuff. So um, just wanted to put the word out there that you can get that same, um, that there are two Kimberly Einmo programs for EQ7 that are both really pretty cool. Uh, so you might want to check those out. Um, oh, one thing I did do that kept me busy <laughs> this month was, um, I think I had mentioned this before I actually did it. I was a guest presenter at one of our local guilds. Um, they're about mm, 15, 20 minute drive north of me. And I had never been to that guild before. I knew they existed, but partly because a lot of our guilds, there's overlap. There's people that go to several different guilds. And so um, in my guild that I go to, there's people that go to one a guild that's maybe 10 minutes east of me. And then this one that's about 15 minutes north of me. And some people go to a bunch of them. <laughs> so we all know each other exist. Um, and so this one woman who goes to my guild, who also goes to this other guild, had asked if I would, after I'd um, done a show and tell and shown some of my hand dyes at one point, she came up to me and she said, would you come and do a presentation on your hand dyes? So I did that um, two weeks ago now, I think, and just had a grand old time. I did not actually do a demonstration because that would have been messy. And as it turned out, the guild meeting was on a Thursday night. 
I was out of town in Valley Forge for staff meetings earlier that week. I was supposed to come home Tuesday night. I ended up having to stay an extra day. So I didn't get home until Wednesday night and I was supposed to be doing this presentation Thursday almost immediately after work. So um, I'm feeling very fortunate that I even got my presentation done. Um, it, I would have liked to have had a little more time to just run myself through it a couple times so I because I like to really get a strong sense of timing uh, so I know where I can go off script and where I really need to stay on track <laughs> and that kind of thing. But it, it all went very well. Um, basically, I did an introduction to hand dyeing. I talked about uh, different myths and misconceptions about hand dyeing and then the basic supplies and the basic steps to the process. Um, and then, of course, did a demonstration, or not a demonstration, I'm sorry, I had both pictures and fabrics there that I had worked on to show various techniques using resists and discharges and, and shibori and um, parfaits and ice dyeing and snow dyeing, all of that kind of stuff. So just kind of ran through all the possibilities. And they had told me ahead of time that I could um, sell my hand dyes if I had wanted to. And... Um, they don't often do that. They made kind of a special exception for me, I guess, which I really appreciated. <laughs> and unfortunately, when I, because I had um, put this on my calendar maybe six months ago. And so at that point, I thought, oh, well, maybe knowing that this is coming up, I'll try to get a lot more time in my dye studio and actually produce um, sellable dye, you know, a lot of the same color or whatever. Of course, never had the time to do it. So when I got there that night and I, I said, now, um, I know that uh, some of you are hoping I will sell my hand dyes. And I said, I'm certainly willing to do that. It will be like selling my own children. <laughs> I said, I don't normally die for sale, so I don't die in volume. So I basically just brought all of my hand dyes that I've made. Um, and, you know, they said, make me a deal. <laughs> and so I did. I sold, you know, not a ton, but I did sell some. And um, fortunately... I had, there's one or two that I had set aside because they've got projects, you know, things that I, I know I want to do with them. But the rest, I'd, I had to keep reminding myself, Sandy, you know how to do this. You can make yourself more. <laughs> because there were a couple that went out the door that I was like, oh, I kind of like that one. Um, but anyway, the, the only thing that I felt very bad about, I had to, when I got home, I think the next day, I emailed the woman that had coordinated me being there and I had to say I really apologize one of the things I had intended to do was go through all of the fabrics that I was bringing for sale and make sure that none of them had chunks cut out of them <laughs> because when I only when I'm using my own hand dyes I tend to store them back on the shelf where they came from so rather than having one shelf of fabrics that I've cut pieces out of and the other one being the whole fabrics um you know, I sort of have in my head, well, if I use less than, you know, a third of it, I just put it back. I fold it up and put it back on the shelf. If I use more than a third of it, then it might go in my scrap pile. So um, it is quite possible that there were fabrics in that bunch on that table that people were going through that would have a random square or rectangle cut out of one side of it. And so I had, I had intended to go through and look at everything and make sure I was only putting whole fat quarters or half yards, whatever, out there. Um, so I ended up emailing her and saying, I really apologize about that. If you hear that anybody got any of those fabrics home and it had a chunk cut out of them, let me know and I will give them a free fat quarter in recompense. <laughs> I just, I felt really bad, really bad. Um, you know, it, it, it's a good thing I'm really not trying to make a business 
of this because that is such a rookie mistake. Such a rookie mistake. Um, anyway, I had a lot of fun. It was a great guild. There were about 75 people there. It was a, a much bigger guild than I thought it was going to be. Um, fortunately, you know, I do enough public speaking that didn't really throw me in. In fact, in some regards, it's a lot easier to speak to a, a larger room. Um, but had a good time. And then uh, I had asked one of my friends to come with me so that she could help me if I ended up having to work at the sale table or had questions or whatever. And then when we got there, another one of our friends from our guild was visiting the guild the first, that was her first night. She didn't realize we were gonna be there. We didn't know she was gonna be there. So she ended up being my other Vanna. <laughs> so I had two assistants during the, the presentation. Um, mostly when I was talking about, like if I talked about using a resist and I had a piece of fabric where I used a resist, they would walk it around the room so that people could see it better. Um, so it, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed doing it. They had asked if I could also do a workshop or a class on hand dyeing. And I just had to say at this point, I cannot commit to anything because of the doctoral program starting in August. I just have no idea what my schedule is going to feel like. I suspect I'm not going to surface <laughs> very often. Um, so I really, as much as I would love to do something like that and just think it would be all sorts of fun, I just know I'm going to hate myself if I agreed to anything at this stage. So I had to tell them no on that. I said, you know, talk to me again next October. I might have a better sense of whether I'd have some free time. Um, so that happened. Uh, back to quilt sh or quilting kinds of stuff. Another little new toy I bought myself because I made the mistake of reading Quilting Arts Magazine. <laughs> that is dangerous. Uh, that One of the articles was about a free motion couching foot. And it turns out there is one for the Janome. I have a couching foot, couching, C-O-U-C-H-I-N-G. If, if there's somebody out there that doesn't know what couching is, that's when you have a larger um, piece of yarn or some sort of fiber that you want to affix as an embellishment to your quilt or whatever you're working on, but you can't run it through your machine or even easily hand stitch it because it's too big for a needle. You couch it down and you can do that on your machine if you've got a certain kind of foot that gives room for that yarn to go underneath it and then it essentially zigzag stitches across the top to hold it in place. Um, I have a couching foot that I've had for a while, but it's a straight foot and so you are able to do a little bit of motion back and forth. You can kind of do a slow gentle curve, but the couple times I've tried to do um, couched spirals, it was really, really hard to get an even spiral with that thing because you're having a, you know, it's like trying to do curves with a walking foot. It's possible. It's just not always very easy. Um, this free motion couching foot is shaped like a free motion foot. And in fact, a very small one. It's It's got a very small little circular head on the top. I haven't actually broken it out of the package to see how this works. Um, I have the sense that you actually feed the 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 yarn or whatever you're couching through the top of it rather than having the thing run underneath it um but it is basically the one she had in the article and she was doing all sorts of shapes and spirals and squigglies and everything with this you can really apparently move this thing around with great abandon so i'm really looking forward to playing with this um when i get a chance to just i'm you know, i'm not going to save it for a project i'm just going to sit down and play i certainly have enough random fibers <laughs> that i can just play with one give one up for experimentation uh and so i will post on my blog or i'll let you know how that goes because that that's a fun little toy that i really think could open up some serious possibilities for me um looking forward to playing with that 
I did finally get more done in the never-ending Annie Unrhyne bag saga. <laughs> this is, I am still on the first bag of this class, crassy class. Um, it's a little, it's, okay, it's frustrating. We've, you know that. If you've listened to this podcast, you know this is just not my thing. Um, but it hasn't helped that a couple of the steps in the classes, in the class itself, are a little out of order. I had already run into one early on where you put a zipper on a pocket and then in the next lesson she acts like you haven't yet put that zipper on that pocket. And she gives you the information in that next class that you really needed to put the zipper on the pocket in the first class. Um, I don't think that I imagined I was supposed to put the zipper on that pocket. I really think (laughs) you were supposed to do it in the class before and then she tells you how to do it in the next lesson. So that was kind of weird. Um, The other... The other one I haven't gotten to yet, so I want to give a real thankful shout out to listener Denise, who gave me the heads up. She left a comment on um, a blog post of mine a couple days ago to let me know that a step I'm about to come up to um, is also a little out of order on the video. That she, in the, the, um, Annie Unrhyne talks about doing something, but then in the next step, she hasn't actually done it, and she don't really do it until after the step after that or something. Um, so it's good having the heads up, as Denise said, don't get ahead of yourself or something like that. Um, what I will do is sit and, and watch the whole lesson and maybe even the next one and then kind of get a sense of what I'm really supposed to be doing. It's for somebody who's done bags, that would all probably be very evident. But for a newbie, that kind of thing is what makes me never want to do this again, uh, because I'm having enough problems just following the directions don't then make me have to figure out where the directions might be misleading. (laughs) That's very frustrating. Um, That being said, Annie Unride is a good teacher. Um, You know, it's just I'm not coming into this class with the type of knowledge that I come into a lot of the other classes I've done. So if I hear something that doesn't sound quite right, I'm more able to say, oh, gee, that doesn't sound quite right. I think I'll do it this way instead and avoid problems. But in this case... I don't need that kind of grief <laughs> on top of everything else. Um, now, that being said, this is this is no beginner bag, and I really should still be at beginner level. I am, I am muscling through, but the best I'm going to be able to say for this thing when it's done is that it's done. I am not really liking the way it looks, and some of that is my own inexperience. You know, if I made five of these things, probably by the fifth one it would be looking a whole lot better. Um, but some of it is also the way it's put together and it's completely unavoidable. And so I'm just not sure. I don't know. Um, it's functional. It will be functional. I can say that. And so I will probably use it, but I'm not going to get any sort of, um, you know, pride (laughs) out of using this thing. I'm not going to necessarily even feel any satisfaction out of using this thing because every time I use it, I'm going to be laying my eyes right on every part of it that bothers me. Uh, So I am actually at the point where I'm very seriously considering not finishing this class. I will finish this bag because I have put way too much time into it to stop now. But there's a second bag in this class and I just... I don't know if I want to, you know, those, that's hours of my life I will never get back. (laughs) I just don't know that I want to do that to myself. The problem is I've already bought the kit of supplies for it and that's not cheap. So if I do decide 
I'm not going to do this thing. I will be putting that bag, <laughs> that kit up for sale. <laughs> You'll be hearing more from me. I don't know. I, oh, God. I don't know. Anyway, let me get back on to happier things. <laughs> I, I will say, actually, you know, most of the bag is, has not been all that hard to put together. It's been the vinyl has been working my very last nerve. And I'm using her vinyl. It's the vinyl she says she likes best. She finds it easier, easiest to work with. I'm doing all the tips and tricks that they talked about doing the tips and tricks of doing. And I just still, it's the vinyl. It's killing me. <laughs> it's absolutely killing me. So does that mean I might be okay doing bags if they just don't involve vinyl? Uh, you know, maybe. Um, again, I, I'm kind of in over my head on this stupid bag. <laughs> so if I ever surface and still have any shred of sanity <laughs> left by the time I'm done with it, then, you know, maybe I've got a, I've actually got a, a UFO that's a bag that I really need to finish it. It's, it won't take me that much longer. I know that, um, it's based on another design I did once years ago or pattern. So I know that one's not that hard. <laughs> it could be that once I get done with this thing, Doing that'll feel like a cakewalk and I'll be happy to do five more of those because they feel so easy after this thing. Again, I don't want to knock Annie Unrine. I know her her patterns are very popular. Um, she's got a lot of YouTube instructional videos on YouTube, uh, YouTube videos on her website. She sells the kits. They're great designs. I love the bags. It's just not for me. It really, I really, it, it, okay. <laughs> I just... Every time I talk about this, I go speechless, so I just need to stop. Let's, let's move on to my happy place, embroidery. <laughs> Let me talk about embroidery for a little bit, because I love embroidery. I have been just having a grand old time, and in fact, I did make a trip to a needle arts store on the other side of town today to pick up some cruel wool thread, because I really want to see what it feels like to work with actual cruel wool um, rather than the other kind of stuff I've been working with. And I said to the, I happened to be the only one in the store at the time that I got there. And so the, the woman was very helpful and pointed me out to, you know, where I needed to find the cruel wool. And then I had a couple of other questions for, and I, and she was very helpful with that as well. And, um, I, I said to her, you know, I, I came at embroidery kind of through a back door because I just wanted to embellish quilts. And now I'm spending so much time doing embroidery. I'm not quilting anymore. <laughs> And, and she kind of laughed and she said, well, it kind of has a way of doing that to you. <laughs> so um, I, I will get back to quilting. I Trust me. It's just, I think, I, well, one, I'm enjoying embroidery just for the sake of the embroidery, but it's mostly really nice to be able to sit with my family and watch TV and feel social with them and yet still feel productive because I can't just sit and watch TV. I've got to be doing something. And um, the type of quilting I do is not, there's very little hand quilting involved with it. Although now that I'm doing more art quilting and incorporating the embroidery, that will be changing. Um, but it's really nice for me to have these ongoing embroidery projects that I can work with and that I can travel with. I've taken them out of town with me every time I've gone out of town. And um, for the most part, I've gotten time to work on them out of town. Not always, but most times. What I do need to do is get a smaller uh, organizational pouch of some sort for traveling with embroidery. I have been thinking right along that that's what this Annie Unrhyne bag is going to be. The everything in its place bag will be my travel embroidery bag. Uh, the problem is it will not fit in a suitcase. 
I mean, this puppy is going to be big. This bag is going to be big when it's done, which would be great if I'm driving somewhere that, you know, I'll use it for that. But if I'm having to try to fit everything in a carry-on, I'm not going to be able to use that. So I've got to find some really nice uh, bag that will allow me to bring a small project and just a few supplies with me. Um, you know, not my whole kit and caboodle, which is pretty much every time I travel right now, I'm bringing all of my embroidery thread and everything with me because it's all in one bin. Um, so if anybody out there is an embroiderer and has travel embroidery, do not, I repeat, do not send me the link to a pattern for one I have to make. <laughs> Let me just, I'm just putting that out there. Just tell me where I can buy one, please. Um, so anyway, uh, I've been working right along on the Butterflies Project. I've now finished three craftsy classes on embroidery, and I still haven't finished the Butterfly Project. <laughs> That's telling you something about how long this Butterfly Project is taking me. Um, but I am still enjoying it. I'm still having fun with it. And now that I've gotten better at embroidery, I'm more able to cover up some of the errors in the applique part of this Butterfly Project. Um, I just made one butterfly that really had some issues. Looked pretty darn good by the time I was done with it. Um, I can't cover up everything. You know, it's just like saying you can quilt that out. I can't embroider everything out. There are still some errors in the applique you can see. Um, definitely there's ways I would approach that whole um, background differently if I do that type, you know, the Sue Spargo type again. Um, basically, I would follow Sue Spargo's instructions, <laughs> which I didn't do this time because I can be stubborn and cuss it that way. Uh, but in any case, I really do, um, I am still enjoying working on the Butterfly Project. I love embroidering on wool. Boy, that feels nice. It just, the needle slides right through it. It's just, oh, it's like butter. Um, at the same time, however, because I can't stop myself, <laughs> I am working on a second embroidery project at the same time. Um, my May journal quilt, which may or may not be done in May, since it is now the 30th, uh, is I just freehanded, I basically sketched out a thing on um, some of my painted silk. You might remember, this was months ago at this point, I think, I had uh, used some fabric paints on some silk and done some sort of color wash effects and then used salt on it, so they came out kind of very painterly. Um, I now have them completely, they're done, they're completely dried and cured and washed and all that kind of stuff. And they really turned out very pretty. So I cut a smallish piece of it. It's, I think it's slightly bigger than eight by 10. I haven't actually measured it. I just sort of cut a piece out that I liked that particular section and um, just used a chalk pencil and kind of freehanded a design. And I'm embroidering that. That's my May journal project. However, the mistake I made is the design comes too close to the edge for the hoop. I did end up buying some smaller hoops. I think the the embroidery hoop I had on hand for whatever reason, I have no idea why I have these embroidery supplies in my house, but I do, um, it was an eight inch hoop. And I didn't even really realize you could go a whole lot smaller than that until I was um, looking at, it might've even been one of the embroidery classes, the craftsy classes. I don't remember now where I was introduced to the fact that, oh, you can actually go a lot smaller. So I did um, pick up, I ran up to Joanne's, used some phenomenal coupons. I've, I've become coupon queen at Joanne's lately and bought, I think I've now got a three inch hoop, a four and a half maybe, and 
a six. I think those were the three smaller hoops I already I bought. And I already had the eight. And I may even have like a 10 or something, but I haven't done anything that big yet. So now I'm able to more easily keep embroidering, um, even though the fact that the silk isn't what I, I mean, I know what I should be doing is pinning the silk to something, a bigger towel or something, and then put that whole thing in the hoop in order to get it all to the side. But I'm a little unsure about this silk. I'm a little afraid that if I pinned or even stitched, I've seen some things where you basically stitch down the side and kind of stitch it to the hoop. I'm a little afraid that would pull out if, you know, on the edge. I'm just not sure about the weave on this thing. So um, I just went with a smaller hoop. Um, I have no idea how I'm going to finish this. Basically right now I'm just using it to play around with some different um, embroidery stitches and different effects. Then today I put together a third project because <laughs> again, can't stop myself. But I am sort of looking ahead to the fact that I've got some serious travel coming up this summer. I've got a week, um, as we've talked about, I've got a week, I'll be gone in June. Um, I've got my husband and I are going on vacation in July for a week. And then I've got my um, doctoral uh, residency in August for about nine days. So all of those times, I'm going to want to have something going that I can bring with me for any downtimes and I need recovery. <laughs> so I'm, I'm feeling like it's okay for me to have two or three different embroidery projects sort of in the docket because the felt the butterfly one if I don't have that done by the end of the summer that's really a bigger project to travel with whereas these other ones I've now got going are much smaller and I could pack them in much smaller bags. Um, for the third project I got going today what I did was I ordered the coloring books that were advertised recently by CNT Publishing. Although I realized on the publishing date, they're actually a couple of years old. They were published in 2013. Um, but these coloring books are, I've got them right in front of me, so let me pull them out here. Um, one is a bunch of, it's called Whimsical Designs Coloring Book, and it's designs done by Piece of Cake Designs, who are big into applique. Many of you appliqueers will recognize that name. Um, Playful Designs Coloring Book is done by Patty Young, who I think is a fabric designer. I didn't recognize her name, but I like that coloring book. Uh, Swirling Designs coloring book is by Geta Grama. Grama. Um, and I think she might also be, I don't actually, I don't recognize her name. She might be a quilt designer. And then Doodle Designs coloring book by Bethany Pease Sheets. And these are almost like free motion quilting designs when you actually look through the book. So. I got those coloring books because both my daughter and I do like to color, but I was actually thinking these might really work for embroidery designs, and I was right. So I pulled one of the designs out of the Whimsical Design coloring book, and I used it as an opportunity to try out another new embroidery tool, or actually, I mean, it's not specific to embroidery. It's an iron-on transfer pen, and it's basically, it looks like a Sharpie, acts like a Sharpie, doesn't smell like a Sharpie, uh, but you draw your design on a piece of regular copy paper with this pen and then you turn it, you flip it over onto your fabric and you use a hot iron, dry iron, and it transfers that design onto the fabric. Um, it worked like a charm. It was beautiful. So I traced the design onto a piece of copy paper using this pen and then I ironed it onto one of my hand dies that I wanted to use as the background and it transferred the design beautifully. It worked. It's a sulky iron-on transfer pen. 
The only problem, the only thing I'm a little concerned about, and I won't know this until I get into the actual stitching, is it's kind of a thick line. And this is not one um, that comes off. There are some transfer pens that are water soluble. Um, so you can, you know, use a Q-tip and some water, whatever, and get rid of the pen. I don't think this one does. I think it's permanent. And the idea is you then embroider over it so it's invisible. It's a little bit of a thick line though. So I would have to only embroider wider embroidery stitches or use, you know, my cruel wool or something that will automatically cover that. So that's the only thing I'm a little concerned about. Um, I also have some uh, transfer pencils that I haven't played with and maybe that's what I should have used on in this case. Um, that would definitely be a thinner line. I think there's also a fine point iron-on transfer pen. The, this is just, you know, this is all new to me. So this is where I have to start finding out my favorite tools in this world, just like I have found my favorite tools in the quilting world. So any of you who are embroiderers, if you have the line on a particular, um, I really like the idea of the iron-on transfer pen. That worked really well for me, um, but I would like one with a thinner line. So that's when I've just got uh, ready to go. And I kind of think I know how I want to approach the embroidery on it. Although, like I said, it's got a thicker line, so now I have to change some of what I was thinking. But I'm looking forward to starting in on that. Um, I am also probably going to be contacting uh, CNPT Publishing to find out if I actually have permission to do that. Uh, there is no information in the coloring books themselves about permissions because, uh, you know, they're geared at kids. Um, but I, they really are geared at kids, uh, by the way. There's a whole page at the front, do you know what a quilt is? And it talks about hanging your colored pieces on your locker at school and things. So these are really geared to kids, but then they marketed them as coloring books for adults. Um, anyway, I'm going to be contacting them to say, you know, I'm not going to sell the projects I'm doing. I'm just using it for my own use, but I might be po posting pictures on my blog. Is that okay? Is that going to be a copyright issue? Because it doesn't say anywhere in this book. Um, I wouldn't think it would be, but you don't know in the copyright world. Um, other books, uh, let me talk to you about. Um, most and pretty much all of these, I'm sorry, are about embroidery in some way or another because that's all I've been getting done lately. I did end up buying a book that I'd gotten out of the library and fell in love with. It's called Beading on Fabric, Encyclopedia of Bead Stitch Techniques by Larkin Jean Van Horn. It's um, basically, it's about how to incorporate beads in your embroidery. And what I liked about this is um, although it does have some things that are pretty much all beads, it also has a lot where the beads are just an embellishment to the embroidery. And that's uh, the, the bead embroidery class I just started on Craftsy is definitely more of a the beads are the thing, whereas I want the embroidery to be the thing and beads just showing up as an embellishment. This beading on fabric book has a lot more of that in it. And it has a nice collection of embroidery stitches that work particularly well with beads and how to incorporate the beads in the stitches. So that um, is a very useful book. Again, that's Beading on Fabric, Encyclopedia of Bead Stitch Techniques by Larkin Jean Van Horn. I will, of course, put the link to that in the show notes. Um, another one that I bought, I didn't get this one out of the library first, but it was in my wish list in the CNT publishing cart. I think this is CNT. Or, no, I'm sorry, maybe Interweave Press. Um, I don't remember now where I got it. 
no, it's CNT. That's right on the back. Uh, they had a sale, and so I picked it up when it was on sale. It's Judith Baker Montano's Embroidery and Crazy Quilt Stitch Tool. Now, Judith Baker Montano does some insane embroidery stuff. Um, I don't think I own her other book. If I did, I inherited it from my mother, so I might own it, but I've seen it um, on Amazon quite a bit. She does just gorgeous embroidered art quilts. They're just beautiful. This Embroidering Crazy Quilt Stitch Tool is actually made, it's an odd size book. It's more like a three by, well, five by seven, maybe card. It's not exactly five by seven, but it's about something about that size. It's spiral bound and it's made to stand up on its side. So it's actually a flip book. It doesn't read left to right, it flips over the top. Um, this is really hard to describe. I'm sitting here looking at it and trying to make it come alive for you through my words. <laughs> I'm not doing a great job. Anyway, it's made to stand up in front of you so that you can use it as easy reference while you're doing the stitch. Um, I just got it a couple days ago, so I've only used it for one stitch and I was apparently being a little stupid and trying to figure out the instructions and I did the stitch wrong. And rather than having a variation on a chain stitch, I essentially had a chain stitch. It's a very nice chain stitch, but that's not what it's supposed to be. Um, and I, there, there is one thing that I wish she had added in as a step on the instructions. The problem is because she's trying to get each one on one page, she sort of captures three or four steps all in one image. Um, the the pro is that every page has both a left-handed and a right-handed illustration. So either lefties or righties will be able to use this book easily. And the downside to that is, again, she's trying to fit both of those all on one page. So there's some places where it's three steps are in one picture. And so to a degree, I think you probably already need to know at least the basics of embroidery before you would really find this book overly helpful. Um, I am now, of course, a seasoned veteran because <laughs> I've been doing it for all of, what, three months? Uh, but like I said, I, I was trying to read her instructions for one stitch and I didn't do it correctly. And it is partly because there really is one more step that should have been shown on the, the diagram. The next morning when I was far more awake, I was able to think, oh, okay, all I need to do is this and was able to figure it out, but that wasn't in the instructions. Still, I think it's an excellent reference. There's a ton, 180 stitches and combinations, and it includes um, standard embroidery, but also ribbon embroidery. There's a lot of ribbon embroidery references in here. So that I think is a useful book for reference. Um, two books that I got out of the library that, <laughs> yes, may end up coming home to live with me at some point as well. Um, Oh, let me talk about this one first. It's called Scandinavian Needlecraft, 35 Step-by-Step -step Projects to Create the Scandinavian Home. And it's by Claire Youngs, C-L-A-R-E, Youngs. And I picked this up um, because my mother-in-law is Danish. And as I was kind of flipping through this in the library, it just kind of yelled her to me. Um, she's first gen, she, her parents, came over to this country. She has grown up here, but her parents were from Denmark. And um, so there's one project in here that's just stinking cute. And I think I might have to make one for her and one for me because it involves, yes, 
pudgy birds. It's a, it's a folk bird garland. So basically you're making it, they're flat birds. Um, and each one has a little embroidered motif on it. And then you stitch them all onto a ribbon and they hang as a garland. It's just adorable. And I think she would love it. And I think she would probably um, hang it in a window in her home. And I would need to have one too. But see, this now begs the question, <laughs> do I buy the book? Because there's this one project I want to do. Or do I cheat? Because um, there are many ways that we can cheat. On the other hand, I will say, there are a lot of other, I don't know that I would do really any of the other projects in the book, but they have a lot of stitch motifs that are really, really nice. So I could see myself buying the book and using it as reference for the stitch motifs. Um, it's a nicely set up book. I really like the way it's laid out and the graphic design and everything in it. Um, I don't even know who publishes this. Seco Books? C-I-C-O Books, London, New York. Not a publisher I've, I'm familiar with. Um, again, that Scandinavian Needlecraft, 35 step-by-step -step projects to create the Scandinavian home by Claire Youngs. And again, the strength of this is just really sweet embroidery designs. And then, um, well, mostly the last book I'm gonna talk about at any length uh, is Fabric Embellishing the Basics and Beyond. Um, this one is also another one I've gotten out of the library that I just might have to someday own. Um, it is by Ruth Chandler, Liz Kettle, Heather Thomas, and Lauren, cannot even begin to pronounce her last name, too many consonants, V-L-C-E-K, Volchek, Volchek. Uh, anyway, Heather Thomas, I'm familiar with. I use her book in my design study group. I love her book. Um, the other, well, Ruth Chandler, I guess I've heard of. I'm not familiar with the other two, but this goes through 50 techniques, over 50, it even says, about how to uh, do essentially surface design. Um, it talks about burning, paper collage, weaving, embroidery, devore, stamping, Angelina, discharge, couching, Tyvek, Tivik crazy quilting, image transfer, needle felting, rusting, luchador, foiling, all sorts of stuff. Um, oh my word, it's just a playground. And I love the, the images of the designs. All four of these fabric artists are quite talented. Um, so it's pretty to look at. And it's spiral bound. You might be able to hear me flipping the pages because I've got it kind of close to the mic here. Um, so it's easy to lay open for reference if you're actually doing one of the projects in the book. Um, that's just got some really intriguing possibilities in there. Again, that's Fabric Embellishing, The Basics and Beyond. Um, currently have it out of the library. Just might have to own it at some point. So I think that's all I've got to talk about. I have a boatload of listener feedback because it's been weeks. And unfortunately, that means I really can't go through all of it. Um, but I do want to try to go through some of it. So I'm going to pause for a second to kind of move some stuff around. Okay, I don't think there's any way I can actually do this briefly, so <laughs> I think I'm just going to have to start over. But I just want to say thank you so much to everybody who has been commenting um, on the blog and on the podcast. I've really, really enjoyed it, especially when I'm out of town. For some reason, I particularly like getting comments when I'm out of town, I guess, because it makes me feel kind of reconnected to home or something. Um, 
I've been getting a lot of good response on my Monday musings in which I've been talking about uh, um, UFOs the last few weeks before that was organizational stuff. Um, on the UFOs, stick with me. There are some folks who've said, oh, I don't want to make any list of my UFOs. It's too overwhelming. That's what this whole thing is about, trying to make it less overwhelming. So I really, really do recommend you make a list of your UFOs. And you, you'll have to go back through my blog to see why I'm saying this. Um, this is something that I have, I've known it for a long time, but whether or not I do it is another matter. But reading David Allen's book, Getting Things Done, he talks a lot about the power of writing something down to help us relax <laughs> because ten, what tends to happen is our stress doesn't come back it come from so much from knowing what we have to do it comes more from feeling afraid that we're going to forget what we have to do and so the more that we can get out of our brains and on paper the more that actually frees up our brain to think about other things now, some of this, I think, is a personality thing. I do think there are some people who are more natural-bent list makers than others. My husband and I are perfect examples of that. I am, by nature, a list maker. I always have been. My lists have not always been functional, <laughs> but I am a list maker. My husband is not at all, and he's trying to actually develop more of a list-making habit for certain areas of his work, um, but a lot of his work is is listless. <laughs> as it were, where it's it's more, he has to be in a position where he's more reactive to what's going on in any given day. My job is all about lists because I'm all about deadlines and projects and, and having to predict what's going to happen three months from now so I can get ready for it now, that kind of thing. But that being said, um, it is true that when you, when you allow yourself to really become aware of what your situation is, rather than trying to ignore it, <laughs> then you can actually deal with it. Um, and as I keep telling people, I've had a few people email me or, or you know tweet or whatever to say, hey, I made my UFO list. It's really overwhelming. I keep saying, wait for Monday. This uh, tomorrow, Monday's post, two days from now, um, is going to help get rid of a lot of that overwhelmed feeling, I think. So buck it up. If you have not read any of these UFO posts, I, I would recommend that you do. Um, there are a fortunate few who don't even know what the word UFO is because they only work on one project at a time and finish it. God bless them. That's not me. That's not most of us. So um, most of us once in a while could could stand to take a good hard look at our UFOs and figure out what we're going to do about them. Um, so I think I've already done two posts about it. Number one, number two, make sure you read them in order because there is a process. And then Monday's number three is going to be a bit of a turning point for you. Um, so again, thank you to everybody. And particularly, I, I have had a few newer listeners starting to comment, and it's really good to have you part of the conversation. I enjoy that. And so now I'm going to pretty much wipe the slate clean um, and start all over with comments. So if you comment on this week's episode, and keep commenting on my blog post and everything this week. Then I will catch up with you next week. If I just tried to do it now, it would be an hour episode in and of itself. <laughs> so, so thanks again for commenting. Do keep it going. Um, we all, all of us podcasters, we live for comments. We really do. <laughs> Not to sound pathetic or anything. We enjoy them. Um, and they give us something to talk about on our next episode. So thanks for that. 
Um, so that's it for this episode. You know how you can get a hold of me, and if you don't, here's how you do it. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, um, Flickr, Craftsy, all of those places. I am Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can, um, oh, what, I'm sorry, I lost my place. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. You can follow the blog. You can follow, friend me on Goodreads. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook, which, by the way, I do have linked back up to my blog again. Um, so blog posts are going back over to Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. Please do love to see your pictures. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. And all of those things you will find linked on my website at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. Until the next time, go get your quilting on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. 